Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right, we are back with another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have Brandon Bateman from the Bateman Collective with us. Brandon is a digital marketing expert um, focused in real estate, which is super useful because all deals start with the acquisition, with actually finding that deal. Um, so I'm super excited to dive into this. Brandon, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Yeah, thank you, Gabe. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Um, I told you before we got on here, we always start with stories. We like to hear how people got to where they are today. I'm sure you got a good one starting a digital marketing company. So why don't you tell us, how'd you get started uh, on real estate? Yeah, it's a good question. So so yeah, I started with a digital marketing company. I was doing digital marketing for all kinds of different companies, focused a lot on technology. So different tech companies, a lot of B2B stuff and, and everything like that. So so that was uh, that was kind of where I came from. I was, I was doing search marketing, social marketing in those industries. Um, one day I ran into a company uh, here in Utah, that's where I'm from, and they are they were they were interesting because they'd asked me if, if I could help them find things to buy, not sell things. I'd never done marketing to buy things. I've only done marketing to sell things like most right. marketers. Um, and and this concept of, of they were trying to buy houses um, was sort of interesting. This is back in 2017 that I ran into them. Um, and so anyways, we we ran something there and we so, so this was a primarily a wholesaling company, and they took their their whole online presence from from generating it was about a hundred grand that year in revenue for them, um, up to about one point four million three years later, um, at at close to a five x return on on investment. So, so that was sort of the uh, the path that that I went through with that company, and after that point, they started referring a whole bunch of different companies to us. So, so at some point, I looked at my business and I saw we have all these technology companies we work with, we have these real estate companies that we work with. Uh, I realized I like the real estate ones a lot more; they're a lot mm -hmm. more fun to work with, mm -hmm. uh, and and they were, you know, I I liked the people, I liked the business, and and all those kinds of things. So. So anyways, at some point, we kind of cut out everything else and just doubled down in real estate. Uh, and then at this point, we just work with real estate investors. Uh, we're doing this kind of marketing in, in over 100 different markets across the United States. Our clients mm -hmm. should do about $50 million worth of wholesale assignment fees this year from leads that we generate. And that's that's what we love to do. All right. I love it. Um, so you guys, you focus mostly on the residential space. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Our clients are... Wholesalers, flippers, people building a buy and hold portfolio or selling turnkeys um, and hedge funds occasionally. Oh, wow. Right on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, finding a good deal is one of the hardest parts about real estate is finding something that actually pencils because you make your money on the buy. Um, and so it's a super important step. And it's something that a lot of people get wrong. So what are the biggest mistakes? You know, I'm sure people come to you with existing marketing in place. They've maybe been, I don't know, shooting out mailers, doing Google ads, whatever. Um, so they come to you with their marketing. What are the biggest mistakes that you see people doing currently before you take over uh, their marketing practices? Yeah, it's a good question. 
Um, and we have a lot of people that come to us after having a lot of success with other channels. And, and sometimes we have people come to us after having failure with other channels, you know, so I kind of seen it. I think there's a, there's definitely a big mindset shift when you're going to do this direct to seller marketing um, across our clients. If they get a, a deal, um, it's usually worth for a wholesaler in the United States, an average of maybe about $20,000. Uh, that highly depends on the market and the individual deal. Um, obviously, higher price point markets, that's going to be a larger number. And with smaller ones, it's going to be a smaller number. Um, but the mistake I see people making with that is they're just not really willing to spend the money they need to to get those deals and recognize the value. Because um, you're in a really data sparse environment. A lot of companies that market, they spend some money and they get a number of customers. And it's a lot of customers that are worth a small amount of money each. Mm, yep. And then it's easier to see your return on investment versus, you know, you can spend three grand a month on marketing. And when you get a deal, you'll make 20 grand. Yeah. But it's a, it's, it's a hard game where a lot of people just aren't really willing to give marketing the consistency that it needs. And a lot of people will say like, oh, it didn't work or it worked and then it stopped working. And like 75, 80% of those cases, there's no like actual change. I think of it like they're flipping a coin and one day they got like two tails in a row. They're like, oh, shoot, doesn't work. Coin's broken. Yep. When, you know, coins just do that sometimes. So we have to recognize <laughs> we're, we're dealing with a, a really data sparse environment. And, and I think that's the difference between our clients that do hundreds of deals a year and those that can't seem to get much traction or consistent monthly deal flow is how much money are they willing to put on the line and ride out in consistency? Yeah, I mean, I've been there myself. Um, when you, it's inevitable if you do this long enough, you're going to get into those those dry periods um, where you know you're doing the same marketing, but you just don't get leads. And it's so easy in that period to just be like, ah, it's not working. I got I'm throwing my hands up. I'm calling it quits. Um, but I like that you kind of said consistency multiple times over that explanation because that, I, you know, from my own experience, that is really what it takes is just consistently getting those numbers out there. Um, and you're right, you know, especially with real estate wholesales, it is a high value sale. Uh, you know, twenty thousand in my market, that's actually a low number. Um, in Seattle, twenty thousand oh, yeah. is lower. And so when you're looking at something that big, it is if you're if you're take a step back and you think about the ROI that you get on your marketing spend, um, you can push up those numbers pretty high. And it's just, it's hard for new investors. And I feel like I'm going off on a tangent here, but um, just speaking from my own experience, when I was a new investor, putting out $5,000 a month just seemed like way too much. Like, why am, why am I ever spending this much money? I'm wasting it. Uh, but if you're getting $20,000, $50,000 in return, that is not actually that much money. Uh, so I'm going to get off my little soapbox there, ask you, uh, when you see investors, you know, they, they're come to you, they look, they're looking to really beef up their digital side. Cause that's what you guys focus on. What is the first few things that you do to really hone in their processes? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I'd say there's a few things that you really need to, to have success with the digital marketing. Um, the first thing is a... Is, is obviously the lead flow. And, and a lot of that comes down to selecting the right kind of channels. Um, we work with uh, different channels like PPC and Facebook ads and SEO for, for our clients. And, and sometimes we're doing a mix between all three of those. And sometimes we're doing one of those or two of those, sort of dependent on what the client that we're working with needs. Um, but it's kind of figuring out that strategy. And, and when you're in, like when you're talking about the specific strategy there, like like anything that's you know deep technical expertise there's a there's a thousand things you have to do right and if you do one thing wrong it doesn't work so that's a, i mean that's why people hire us to do it um and make sure that all those things are are well taken care of 
Um, but after that, the other thing that's important is to have the right acquisitions department. Um, you can generate all the leads you want. If you can't, uh, if you can't actually close them, then it's not really worth anything. You won't get your return on investment. Um, and interestingly enough, we have worked with a lot of people that like say they're really good at closing, but the numbers don't suggest that they actually are. Um, so we have some teams that we work with that are just really high performance teams and others that aren't, but it's really rare that we run into someone that says that they're not. That makes sense. So <laughs> you kind of they're badass. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. But the numbers don't lie. You know, some people just do so much better than others yeah. when it comes to closing the leads, even once you control for lead quality and market and all that kind of stuff. So, so anyways, that's the other thing that you have to really nail down is a solid acquisitions team. Um, because this is a competitive game. Like we've discussed, you're, you're chasing big checks here. Um, your competitor wants to crush you at that. And, yeah. and, uh, having a world-class sales team is not an easy thing to do. So, you know, in working with those sales teams, what have you kind of noticed to be the, the it factor that kind of distinguishes those who say they're good, but they don't have the numbers and those who say they, they're good and they're actually closing deals? Yeah, it's it's like I fed you the questions to ask me because <laughs> <laughs> we did because uh, we've done this analysis because we collect all the closing data from our clients and what we do is all the people who close at a top ten percent we interview the company owner we interview the leader of the acquisitions team we interview the acquisitions people and we learn everything about their processes and then we also interview our worst closers and we look for everything that the best closers are doing that the worst closers aren't uh-huh. um, and not just this isn't just a list like you know somebody did this and it was good it, this is like the things that most people have in common. Yeah. And there are three things. The first one is urgency. They treat this with extreme urgency. Like our clients that don't close as well. It's like a lead comes in, they go, they run some comps, you know, figure it out, call the seller, upset when they don't answer the phone. Our clients that nail this, they they call within 60 seconds. They call it's usually for for at least the first week, more than 10 touch points every day. Um, every day emails, text shit. messages phone calls this is really competitive stuff and a lot of our leads start with search marketing where if you look at the average lag between when the lead comes in and when it gets contracted it's the shortest of any marketing channel mm-hmm. so it's a it's a really highly urgent thing um and they treat that with appointments too they don't just say like hey when are you free for an appointment and the seller says oh next week and they show up next week and it's under contract you know right they say like i'm on my way to your house right now super like, frustrating. Do you have time? <laughs> i'm outside your window where are you yeah, exactly. So they, they treat like urgency with, with everything. They basically, it's like a race to the deal. Um, the second thing is assuming motivation. Uh, like our, our clients do really well. They, they tend to not get leads and then just, uh, you know, feel them out on the phone or like a common practice with cold call and stuff like that is to like throw a price out and see how the seller reacts to it and decide like, are they the right thing? Or they're the right seller. Our clients that do really well, they just assume that every lead is motivated. What that means is they want to get in the living room with that person. They want to spend some time with them. They're willing to spend hours with them before they really know if they're motivated or not. Because there's a lot of people who are motivated but don't sound motivated. And our clients that just go on more appointments, they go on about four times as many appointments. Our top producers, four times as many appointments for the number of leads they get. And they do twice as many deals. So they do waste more time on appointments. Like they, it takes them twice as many appointments to get to a deal. But at the end of the day, they do twice as many deals because they do four times as many appointments because they, when they talk to the person on the phone, they don't say, Oh, they said they want 250 for their house. And I think it's, you know, I think it's worth 220. So they're not that motivated. I'm not going to go buy. You know, they, they take upon themselves this role. I am a negotiator and my job is to make this deal happen. Uh, so assuming motivation is huge. Uh, I noticed kind of, this is a little bit more fluffy, but some of the acquisitions, people that we talk with that do really, really well, 
they're like that gambler that's like going back to Vegas. They just lost their life savings and you know they're trying to borrow some money and they're just thinking like this is the time because they have that relentless optimism. Yeah. Because that's the thing with lead management. 90% of leads aren't good. Or they're not going to close. But frustratingly you, so, right? Yeah. But if if you believe that and you know that and you assume that, then when there is that 10%, you miss it. Versus these people who did really, really well, they just had like this belief that the seller must be motivated. This one's going to be the deal. And it's it, that optimism was just hard to shake. Like they just yep. assumed it. Um, so that was uh, versus like the ones that didn't do as well. They had all these excuses. You know, the lead, they weren't actually that motivated. I don't think they actually need this. I think they're a better fit for retail, you know, whatever it is. And it's a, uh, you know, it's a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because you won't contract the ones that you don't believe are, are really good. That's um, funny. You're uh, I mean, so far you said urgency and assumed motivation. I'm, I'm interested in the third, but um you know, I am not an, an excellent sales guy by any means. I'm good at, at, at real estate. I'm good at, you know, making teams and everything, but I'm not great at sales. But um, my partner of mine, his name's Martin. He is excellent at sales and he, that's exactly what he does. He He's super urgent and he always thinks something's going to close. Even when he tells me and I'm, dude, that's not going to close. He's like, no, nah, it's fine. It's going to close. And he just keeps going, keeps going. Um, yep. So that, that so far you're ringing very true with, uh, with, Everything from my experience. So what is number three? Yeah, well, number three is quality first impressions. Um, sometimes investors have this game where like the lead comes in and then a VA is the one who reaches out to them or like a lead manager or something like that. Statistically, our clients that have an acquisitions person, like a closer reach out initially to the seller, they do significantly better. Um, the, the theory behind that being that your first impression, like you, you might not get the contract until whenever you get the contract, but people decide mentally, emotionally, if they're going to do business with you, often within the first 60 seconds or two minutes of your conversation based on the impression that you build. Um, and some person just kind of reading off a script doesn't do that super well. Um, you could say like, uh, you know, there's a, there's a common methodology of saying like, how many dollars per hour are different business activities worth? Like, you know, leadership is worth this much. And if you're just kind of filling in data, that's worth this much. And everybody kind of does a wide variety of things. I would argue that if you have like a good quality lead that comes in, that very first moment you spend talking to that lead is one of the highest dollar per hour activities in the business. And people sometimes have the person who makes that call pay less than their janitor. Mm. And these are like huge money-making opportunities. So our clients that kind of put their best foot forward, the best person on that initial call, they don't count it as like, well, the lead might not be good. So we don't want to waste that person's time. They, they recognize that you need that quality right at the beginning. Um, they they just tend to close significantly better versus those that kind of put an inter intermediary step there. Yeah, man, that's a, and I feel like that's doubly so on the commercial side because um, I've I've hired VAs to do outbound cold calls, and they're they just made zero, like I made zero sales. Um, I, I hired them for probably three months just doing cold calls, and they got nothing. Um, and when you know I would do cold calls earlier. In my career, and I, I feel like if you do, if you're the owner and you have knowledge, and you're you are the one making the decision, um, people really understand that, and they're willing to stay on the phone, and they get a better impression. And so that that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, okay, Absolutely. so you said urgency, assumed motivation, and quality first impressions. Those are the three things that really make a sales team stand out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with with digital marketing leads specifically, because. I mean, if, if you're looking at people going direct to seller, you don't need all that with cold calling. You don't need all that with direct mail. It, but the thing is, we've worked with plenty of teams that close really well from other channels. 
And then they don't close well from digital marketing leads. So these are kind of the things that we teach our clients. Like, I mean, it's important sales principles overall. But if you treated every cold call lead like that, then like in, in like the wholesale industry, I'm sure commercial is different because those deals are huge. But if you, you know, in, in residential, if you treat every lead like a digital marketing lead on cold call, then you'd spend so much time chasing nothing, right? That's why a lot of companies have these other practices where they're not doing things like that because other channels kind of necessitate that because they have a lot more leads and they're not as high quality. Digital marketing is different because it's an inbound form of marketing. It's people coming to you and it's intent driven for the most part. So these people actually have demonstrated that they want to sell their house. Um, so it's a, uh, yeah, it's just a different kind of lead. So you kind of have to reprogram your team. It's really hard for a salesperson to play both sides, like working with really bad leads and really good leads because you get used to the leads being bad and then you miss the good one. Uh, yep. So because the volume is different too, you know, like we've had clients we work with that they have 25 cold call leads coming in every day. And then if they're lucky, they get one lead from online marketing. Yep. They'll, yep. they'll close more in a month from the one lead each day from online marketing than they will from the 25 cold call ones each day sometimes. But it's in the midst of everything else, it's so easy to miss it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so you guys, you have no experience doing this on the commercial side, right? Well, just a little bit. Um, little bit. I can tell you the, the extent of my experience. We've, we've run some campaigns. Um, somewhat successfully, um, where our clients have contracted several properties. Commercial is a little bit of an interesting game, though, because the total search volumes, like the number of people searching for ways to sell a strip mall or an apartment complex or you know whatever it is online, is just significantly smaller than it is mm. with residential. Both because there's less people who own those things, and because they're less likely to go to Google. Yeah, as a way they to go to people they know. They go to brokers and whatever like yeah. that. Yeah, but they do. Some people do. And we have generated leads and we have generated pretty good leads with that. The real issue with it is they are all over the place geographically mm -hmm. because I mean, you're, I imagine you probably own properties in a lot of places that aren't where you live. Yeah. And we, uh, we only look out of state. We don't buy in Washington state. So we own, you know, Texas, Arkansas, um, Illinois, all over the place, but not yeah. in Washington. Yeah. So with digital marketing, you can only target based on where someone is. So I could oh, target I Washington, right. trying right. to find Washington apartment buildings, and then you could respond to my ad, and you've got everything but Washington. Yeah. Right? So that, that's really common with commercials and stuff in different states and where you live. So that's what we notice is it's really hard to control the locations of the leads. But we do have we do have clients that do okay with it if they're really flexible as for where the leads come in. They're just looking for a good deal, but they don't really care what state it's in or something. Um, you can you can get good leads that way. Makes sense. All right. Well, hey, I just took a peek at the clock. We have gone through our time. So it's time to go through into the quick question round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's rock and roll. It starts with education. Get, um, I'm a big bookie. So give me two book recommendations or any any form of media, YouTube, whatever. Two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, one for real estate specific. Ooh, good question. I'm gonna skip the real estate one because I don't read real estate books. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm the I'm the weirdo marketing. I can give you marketing books if you're interested. Um, the as for non real estate one, I one I read recently. And we're actually reading as a company now that I really love is Multipliers. Mm. I'm not sure if you've heard of that one. Great leadership book. Yep, I heard of it. Multipliers. Um, I haven't read it myself, but I've heard uh, I've heard good reviews. All right, that moves us it's, to the next question. This is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Brandon who is just getting started in digital marketing. He just got his first job out there. Go to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. I'd say focus. For a long time, I worked with a whole bunch of different 
industries and where my business really grew was when I focused on a single industry or a single problem to solve. Um, and I think that's a, I think it's a hard thing to do because I always looked at it marginally. Like if I do that, there's this huge cost of that because most of my opportunities are not in that space. But what I didn't realize is when you really focus, how many more opportunities will manifest themselves yep. within that particular focus that you have. Um, yep. So anyways, that's, I, I, everybody gave me that advice. So I probably, I probably wouldn't listen to myself because everybody gave me that advice for years <laughs> and I never did it. And I actually accidentally did it by just having a ton of referrals come to me in this space. And that side of our business became just as big as the other side of the business in a matter of six months or so. And, and then even then I still tried to keep the other side alive. And then this real estate side just kept on growing and growing and growing until the other side was so negligibly small in comparison, that it just wasn't worth um, sustaining, but I could have gone a lot farther faster if I just listened to the advice earlier. It is so hard to focus at the beginning because you always want all of the opportunity out there. But man, if you guys can, if you guys are just starting out on your journey, try to just hone in on one thing because you really do, you move much faster when you're focused. Um, it's, it's just hard. It's hard because there's so much opportunity out there. Um, but mm -hmm. focus, that's a good one. Let's move on to the next question. This is Superman strength. We are all gifted with unique skills that we give to this world. So what is your Superman strength? Well, I'm really great with data and logic, understanding numbers and using those to, to make decisions. It's one thing we help our clients with all the time, um, like making decisions about different marketing channels and budgets and how to optimize campaigns and all that kind of thing. Perfect. Per yeah, I mean, you're in the, the, best, uh, the best industry for that. So that's a good strength to have here. Uh, next one, this is for... Mentors. Um, none of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So who is one mentor who has contributed to your career? Well, this is a good question. One mentor. Um, honestly, that first client that I took in real estate, um, you, if, if you're familiar with the wholesaling space, you might, you might know him. His name is Cody Hoffheim. And he was a co-founder of Wholesaling Inc., which was at the time the, the largest coaching platform in that, that side of the real estate industry. So that's that's why we got really lucky. Our first client was was one of the big guys, and yeah, and he was able to send us tons of other clients and set us up for success. Um, but but yeah, I'd say I'd say he's been a, a mentor of mine, and like like most of what I've learned about the real estate space, I've learned from him um, and through working with his company, and then also um, you know the help that he's given me along the way. And and yeah, he's he's been there um, as I've as I've grown a team and all those things. You know, I've kind of just always been a few years behind him which is all great. right well shout out to cody thank you very much for helping brandon get to where he is today um that leads us to the second to last question this is tools tools form the backbone of every business so what is one tool that your business relies on every single day there are so many <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say this is a unique one for you because i'm sure you got more than the average show Oh my goodness! You should see our software bill. I, I was appalled when I found out a little while ago how much money we spent on software. I didn't know it was possible. Um, let's see. HubSpot is is a good one. That's kind of pretty core to our business. We use like the sales CRM component, and we use it for like managing our clients and stuff like that. Um, so, so what we're primarily built on would be like HubSpot, and then on the project management side, Monday. Mm. Um, you heard of Monday.com. Um, so that's kind of like the like the two two of the core pieces 
Monday is I'm I've gone through a lot of CRMs um, and I finally landed on Monday. I absolutely love Monday. You know, everybody's got their own their own flavor, their own uh, take on what they like in it. But Monday is pretty sweet. I like it too. Yeah. All right, that lead moves us to the very last question. You've given us a lot of good advice. I'm sure people want to reach out, learn a little bit more about digital marketing. Um, So, what is the best way that they can get in contact with you? Yeah, good question. The best way is probably through our website. It's batemancollective.com. Um, you can feel free to reach out there. Um, if anybody is interested in Motivated Seller Legion, you can reach out there and get in touch with um, someone on my team who can kind of do that discovery call and see if it's really a good fit for you and what kind of results you might be able to expect and all that kind of thing for, for your individual marketing situation. Um, and and yeah, that's, that's, that's the reason most people reach out to us. So that's how you can find us. All right. Sounds good. Batemancollective.com. I'll put that in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Brandon, just click a little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description and in there you can find Brandon's URL. All right, Brandon, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Yeah. Thank you, Gabe. Had a great time. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. If you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe with realestateinvestingclub.com. If you want to show us some love, just give us a subscribe and like on or review, review on Apple. That's the best way to support us. Other than that, hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic way. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.